<clears throat> you know, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we accept him as our Savior, we are no longer under the Old Testament laws. I want you to understand that. We are under the law of Christ. Now, this is going to be a two-part sermon. So, first of all, I want you to understand our relationship to the Old Testament law. And next week, we're going to be talking about exactly what it means to be living under the law of Christ. I want to turn to Romans chapter 7 and verse 12. You know, I've spoken to many Christians over the years who... Uh, feel strong ties to, like, t the Ten Commandments. Uh, for those of you who know the history of our denomination, we had strong ties to the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. And uh, as time went on and as God straightened us out and revealed to us how things really are, we came to a better balance with regard to how we're to live our life and where we're to look for wisdom on how God expects us to live today. When Israel came out of Egypt, we all know our story uh, from the book of Exodus. We've probably all seen the uh, movie, The Ten Commandments, and kind of relived that. And our denomination years and years ago had strong ties to that story because we put a lot of emphasis on Old Testament Israel and how they lived and what God required of them. And we felt a strong tie to that, thinking that we as Christians today were supposed to follow most of those Old Testament laws. So as most of you know, we kept the Seventh-day Sabbath. We kept uh, the annual holy days that Old Testament Israel kept. We even kept the dietary laws that Old Testament Israel kept because that's where our connection to God was. But is that really what God had expected of us down through the years? In Romans 7, verse 12, Paul here is talking about the Old Testament law. It's called the Sinai law because that's where the Israelites received the law, Mount Sinai. And it's also called the law of Moses. So I'll use all of those terms, you know, uh, whatever comes to my mind first as we go through this. Romans 7:12, Paul is explaining that as Christians, our tie is not to the Old Testament law. Uh, he says here in verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin, talking about the Old Testament law, if it doesn't really pertain to us anymore, is it sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So there was a purpose for the Old Testament law. It taught Israelites rights and wrongs and a little bit about the mind of God and God's wisdom and how God thinks. So the law given to Moses at the time of the Exodus was holy because it came from God. It was righteous because it came from God. It was a good law. It came directly from God. Remember, to receive the law, Moses went up on Mount Sinai while all the Israelites remained down below. 
And uh, God gave Moses the law. He spent a long time up there getting the law from God. And remember when he came down, he had two tablets with the Ten Commandments written on them. And his face was glowing because he was in the presence of God. So much so that the Israelites who remained down below were frightened of Moses when he came down from Mount Sinai. Why is his face glowing? He was in the presence of God. You know, stay away from him. Stand back. And they went through that whole, you know, situation. But I want to talk about some aspects of the law that God had given Moses and God had given ancient Israel. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 27. We're going to see, first of all, that the Old Testament law that God gave to Moses and then to Israel was a law that was intended to be for ancient Israel alone. Now, we, over the decades of our time in this church, we used to think that no, you know, certain aspects of that law apply to us today as Christians, and that is not true. It says in Leviticus 27 and verse 34, It sums up the law that God gave to Moses and then to Israel. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Okay, It doesn't say anything about it being later on for Christians. This was part of the old covenant between God and ancient Israel. Okay, So... There are a lot of laws that were given to Moses. In fact, Jewish uh, students of the history of their people study the law, and they came up with a total of 613 laws that are found in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the uh, law of Moses, the Sinai law, whatever you want to call it. 613 laws were included in that. Now... Let's look as well as the chapter 26 and verse 46. Leviticus 26 and verse 46. It says again here, These are the decrees, the laws, the regulations that the Lord established on Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. So our church years and years ago, you know, when we decided, well, it wasn't us who decided, it was decided for us as to what laws we would keep as Christians, we thought that God wanted us to revert back to the Old Testament and keep many of the laws that he gave specifically and solely to Old Testament Israel. So we were wrong. When we thought that, well, God wants us to keep the seventh-day Sabbath today, we were wrong. When we thought that God wanted uh, the church to celebrate the annual holy days that were given to Israel, we thought that it applied to us today, we were wrong. So it was very difficult for us to come to the point where we saw that. And as we know in the history of our church, going back to about 1995, when God brought us from the law of Moses to the law of Christ, Many people were upset about that and decided they wanted to stick with the law of Moses. 
and they're still sticking with it to this day. And there are several splinter groups that broke off from us because as God tried to bring us to see what he wants us to do today, the law that we're to keep, the fact that the law of Christ surpasses the law of Moses. The law of Christ is far greater than the law of Moses. Many people couldn't see that. God helped us. He gave us the faith to see it. So the law of Moses was intended to be for ancient Israel alone, not for Gentiles and certainly not for Christians. Let's turn now to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We spent a lot of time studying those Old Testament laws, the law of Moses, and uh, we all struggled in trying to keep those. We thought that that's what God wanted us to do. But uh, God had something else in mind for us as members of the church, as his children. The Apostle Paul talks about it here in Galatians 3 and verse 6. He talks about Abraham, who, of course, lived before the law of Moses was ever given, before the Exodus. So Abraham was older. Abraham was more ancient than that. So in Abraham's day, there was no law of Moses. It had not come into existence yet. But we're told here, consider Abraham. He believed God. He had faith, in other words. And that's what made Abraham stand out in his life. Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham wasn't called righteous because he obeyed a law. The law didn't even exist when he lived. He was considered righteous because he believed God. That was the key. His belief, his faith in God. So it says, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Okay, we believe, don't we? We believe that God exists. We believe he's one God who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ came down to earth. We believe that he died on the cross for our sins and paid the penalty of our sins so we are forgiven and we have an eternal life ahead of us with God for forever. It says, the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. They weren't Jews. They weren't a part of that relationship with God in the old covenant. So the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. And what did he tell Abraham? He said, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith, that's us, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So he was, as far as we can tell, the greatest example of faith outside of Jesus himself. So all who rely on observing the law, if you think that's what you need to do to be saved, you're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one, listen to this, verse 11, clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. 
The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. He has redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So what is he saying there? He's saying, you know what, the Old Testament Israelites were called to obey. And of course, they failed miserably. They found out that it is impossible to keep the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai and then shared with the rest of the nation of Israel. It was impossible to be saved by keeping the law because nobody could do it. And you know what? All of us here sitting here today, we kind of tried the same thing years ago in the early church years ago. We thought what we needed to do was to keep the law. So we kept the Sabbath day, as we thought God wanted us to. We kept the holy days, as we thought God wanted us to do. We avoided eating certain types of food because we thought that's what God wanted us to do, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything else that we thought we needed to do to be saved. No one is saved by the law or the keeping of the law. So we were totally wrong in that uh, endeavor on our part. So Abraham, who lived before the law of Moses was ever given, is commended for his faith. And that's what we're called to have today, faith. We're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. So Abraham's salvation was credited, credited to him uh, to his faith, not his obedience to law, which wasn't even in existence yet. So we too are saved by our faith, not by our obedience to the law of Moses. And what is our faith in? It's in God. It's in Jesus Christ as his son and as our savior. And nobody can be saved by the law. Why? Because nobody can keep it perfectly. We've all failed in trying to obey the law, haven't we? We've all sinned and come short of what uh, God called them to do. And you know what? When God gave Israel the law through Moses on Mount Sinai, God knew in advance that Israel was not going to be able to keep the law. So why did he ever give them the law? He was teaching them a lesson. That you can't be saved by your own works. You need a savior. You need somebody who is perfectly righteous to give his righteousness to you. To credit it to you, okay? That's what he was trying to teach the Israelites. But unfortunately, the Israelites, for the most part, haven't gotten that point. The Israelites, to this day today, feel that their salvation can come by the keeping of the law. And you know, today you have all sorts of Jewish people who still hold to the faith to one extent or another. Just like any religion, amongst the Jews today, you have different types of Jews. First of all, you have what is known as the Orthodox Jews. They're the ones who wear the long black coats with the black hats, with the real long curls that they haven't cut, you know, coming down. And uh, when they pray at the uh, 
the Western Wall at the Old Temple Mount. You'll see them standing there bowing up and down as they pray and read scripture. Those are people, Orthodox Jews, who if you try to drive your car through their neighborhood on a Saturday, they'll come out with rocks and they'll pelt your car with rocks because they feel you're not gonna be breaking the Sabbath in our neighborhood, okay? Now there are also conservative Jews I would say Orthodox Jews probably makes up 10% of the Jews. Uh, another 18% of Jews are what is known as conservative Jews. They're not as radical as the Orthodox Jews, but they still try to worship at the temple and hold true to, you know, as much as they possibly can to obeying God. But for the most part, the largest number of Jews are liberal Jews. And in that group, you'll have everybody from uh, people who don't regard the Sabbath, uh, don't regard the Day of Atonement or uh, Yom Kippur. You'll even have groups of Jews who don't even believe in God, if you can understand that. The whole range of different types of belief in that group. But they still have one thing in common. They reject Jesus as the Messiah. They don't believe that he was the Messiah. So the problem is they're holding on to the law and trying to attempt to somehow be saved or be right with God by the keeping of the law. But we read in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well that God gave them the law knowing that they wouldn't be able to keep it. And hence they're condemned by the law. They're cursed by the law. They have a death penalty over them because they're breaking the law. Nobody can keep it perfectly. Only Jesus did. And for all of us who have accepted him as Savior, he credits his righteousness to us. That's the only way you can get to heaven. You can never get to heaven by your own righteousness or your own law keeping. Amen. The only way you can get to heaven, the only righteousness that will get you eternal life is Jesus' righteousness. Not yours. You've fallen short. You're, you're doomed by your sins. Until you come and accept Jesus as your Savior, recognize him as the Son of God and as your Messiah, that's the only way you're going to have eternal life. Let's turn now to Galatians 4, beginning in verse 4. So the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, was only meant to be temporary. It would start at the Exodus when God gave the law to Moses, and it would end with the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what it says here in Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the time had fully come, so the Old Testament ran its course, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, yeah, he was a Jew, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. So God had his plan. He gave the law to Old Testament Israel. They failed miserably. It ran its course. They suffered a lot of penalties for breaking the law and so on. But it was only be meant to be temporary until Jesus came. So the Ten Commandments were given to Israel. Jesus was given to the world. So the Old Testament law was just for Israel. It was part of the covenant. But Jesus came to save the whole world. The old covenant was given to shape the faith of the people until the Messiah came. 
Then with his arrival, the Sinai covenant was to fade away and the new covenant in the blood of Jesus was to begin. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. So this is all a part of God's plan. All a part of God's plan. 2 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 7. It says, now if the ministry that brought death, that's the old covenant, <laughs> that's God's relationship to the, the Israelites, the ancient Israelites, it was a covenant, a ministry that brought death because it was based on law and they failed in keeping of the law. So they all had the death penalty on themselves. If the ministry that brought death, which was engraven in letters on stone, the Ten Commandments, that God gave Moses. If that came with glory, and it was a glorious law. When you look at the Ten Commandments, it was a great law. But understand, it was never meant to be for people who had God's Holy Spirit. The Ten Commandments are like a rudimentary law, a, such a basic law of how to live, so that when the time came that Jesus arrived and those who believed in him, are saved by grace and saved by his sacrifice, God has a greater basis for his relationship now with us. It's not the Old Testament law and it's not the Ten Commandments. That's like for kids who don't have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, which is something radically different. So God has given us a radically different source of how we should live, which we'll talk about. So we're looking at 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 7. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, be even more glorious? So we don't live based on the Old Testament law. We have God's spirit in us. We don't have to look for tablets of stone to do our research to see what God wants us to do. We literally have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us who tells us what to do and guides us in our Christian life. It's like night and day. That's why sometimes when I talk to Christians, I'm not just talking about our church, and they say, well, you know what? The most important thing for me is the Ten Commandments. I think, wait a minute, <laughs> I think you missed something here. You're trying to live your life like an Old Testament Israelite is. God has given us so much more to appreciate and to live by today. We're not limited to the Ten Commandments. You know, we're told that our life now is based on love. We're to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, and so on. We're to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, if I take one of the commandments and it says, do not murder, okay? I haven't murdered anybody in my life. But just by not murdering anybody, is that really showing love to somebody else? You might say, well, sort of, and maybe it is sort of. But loving your neighbor as yourself means so much more. It doesn't just mean don't murder them or don't steal from them or don't commit adultery with, you know, somebody. It means so much more. It means being concerned for that person, 
It means praying for that person. It means sharing with that person. It means uh, doing whatever you can, you know, to make that person's life more pleasant in the midst of all their troubles and trials. So the, the Ten Commandments are so limited in their scope because when God gave it to Israel, he was giving it to people who don't have the Holy Spirit. He was giving it to people who were so immature in their spiritual outlook about God, who didn't know God's Son, Jesus Christ, who certainly didn't know about the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, if the ministry that condemns men, the Old Testament, is glorious, and it was because it came from God, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we've received from him? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if uh, what was fading away, the Old Testament, came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? So the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, the law of Moses was meant to be temporary. And it did good things for Israel. Let, let me list some of the things that it did for Israel. It taught people what sin is. Because when they came out of Egypt, duh, what is sin? You know, how do I know what sin is? Well, that's why God gave them 613 laws to help them start to understand what sin is all about. The Old Testament law, the law of Moses revealed that no one is capable of keeping the law. They all failed. That was a lesson that they learned, and it was a lesson we learned through them. The Old Testament never promised salvation. Let me repeat that. The Old Testament, with all of its 613 laws, did not promise salvation. When you look at the blessings and cursings chapter back there in Deuteronomy 28, God said, well, here's my law. Do this, do this, do this, and here's what you should avoid. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Now, if you keep all of the laws, here's how I'll bless you. You're going to get good weather so that your crops turn out just great. I'm going to protect you from your enemies, which he did when they obeyed, and then they would go through a period of disobeying, and their enemies would come in and defeat them, take them captive. The uh, Old Testament made Israel a unique nation because some of the laws were different from what other people lived by, like the dietary restrictions, the holy days, and so on. The uh, Ten Commandments, the Old Testament law revealed the holy character of God. It provided a way for them to worship with the Sabbath and all the holy days. It revealed holiness of God versus sinfulness of man. All those lessons were taught to the Israelites. That's why there was an Old Testament law. But it was only meant to be temporary. And now we can look back at the history of Israel and learn a lot from what they had to go through. But that law is not the law God has called us to. We have been called to put our confidence in Jesus. And when we do that, when we put our trust in him, when we have him as our place of refuge, uh, as our anchor in our lives, he helps us to understand how he wants us to live. We are not righteous by the keeping of the law. We, like the Israelites, have all failed. And we brought upon ourselves a penalty for breaking the law, a curse. 
God teaches us through Jesus that his people are made righteous by grace, not by keeping of the law, not by our own efforts. God would forgive them and change their hearts. Let's turn to one last passage here in Hebrews 8, beginning in verse 6. Hebrews 8, verse 6. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. Israelites got the promise of good weather, rain in due season, protection from their enemies. Our promise is eternal life with God. Verse 7, for if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another, but God found fault. The fault wasn't with the, the laws, it was with the people. God knew in advance that they could never live up to it. And he was showing them the need for something better, something different, the need for believing in a Messiah who would come to pay the penalty for all their sins. But God found fault with the people and said, the time is coming. So he said this during the Old Covenant, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the, by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant. So this is the covenant that we're living under, the new covenant. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. So that's what has happened to us. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit who brings God's intentions for us, puts them in our mind, puts them in our hearts, how to live, how to be a Christian, how to live as a son or daughter of God through Jesus Christ. So we don't have two tablets of stone here where you gotta research, okay, what does God say about how should we live here? We automatically know better how to live. The Holy Spirit works with us on a daily basis. And sometimes we have a conscience where we're going to do something and all of a sudden something's telling us, Meh, I don't know if that's a good thing for me to do here. <laughs> I don't know if that's God's will for me. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you pointing out to you where you're about to go wrong. So God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 11, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And by calling this covenant, the one we're living under now, the new covenant, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. And Paul wrote that just before the invasion of Jerusalem by the Roman army and the complete destruction of the temple, the priesthood, and everything that kept the old covenant together. So there was no doubt in anybody's mind, at least to, to our minds, what God was doing. So I'm concerned sometimes when Christians today put a lot of emphasis on the old covenant. God has called us to something better. We can't be saved by that old covenant. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we go wild and commit sin as much as we want to because we've got God's grace, as Paul said in one of his epistles, God forbid. But God is teaching us how to live. He's helping us along, not by a written word, but by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because we don't live under the law of Moses, we live under the law of Christ. And next week, we're going to learn exactly what that is and how we live under the law of Christ and what it means to each of us. So I hope you're back next week to hear the second part. (laughs) Let's pray.